Welcome everybody to an episode of the Keepers of the Book. I'm your host, Maz, joined here with my co-host, Jordan. And today we are covering the first half of the season three of mm-hmm. Legend of Korra. So that eh, first half is probably not the best naming for it. It's more like the first eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, because I think I wanted to be able to talk about the whole season as I, when we cover the next section. Right. Um, all at once. So... That that way, there is uh, oh god, excuse me, sorry. And the the thing is that if I assign equal amount of episodes for next uh, season, we're gonna be talking about those, and then I want right. to do the whole conjunction. The whole kit yeah. So, anyways, yeah, first eight episodes of season three, and this is without a doubt, hands down, not even close. Well, I guess it might be a little close. Uh, my favorite season of Legend of Korra. Um. Zaheer is definitely, though, hands down, my favorite villain. Would you call him daddy? Daddy villain? Daddy? Uh, does he give off dad energy? I don't know. I don't know. Dad. I don't know, dude. The, this, I think, this this one's going to be my favorite. I think so. I mean, as far as the past three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it definitely is. And as as far as the villain goes, he's just, he's so brutal and he's like just, He's got that calm chaos, right? Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. You know what? I agree with that. That's a good term for that because I was thinking about a term because he's like kind of like a monk, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, it's the calm. Death. It's unsettling. Yeah. It's really unsettling. He gets you like just, it makes you feel uneasy every time he talks. Like as like the very, very first scene that you see him in, which by the way, his whole escape was so, so cool. I agree. Um, the very first scene that you see him in, and he's just like talking calmly. Like you know, obviously he's a villain. It's just the way that they set up everything, right? Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know. I I loved I loved the way that uh, he just the way he talks. Is the the voice actor killed it in this? I agree. Role. I agree. Um, but do you, now do you do you, do you, does this voice actor come mm-hmm. up anywhere else? In I honestly don't know. Anime? I, don't, uh, I I want to find out because he is a really great voice actor, and I think that um, that, that he probably be, like his talents are going wasted if he's not being utilized more. Often. Right. Uh, but anyways, though. So start off the bat, like. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Airbenders are now on the up and up. They're coming <laughs> all over the place. And I think it's kind of cool that the show handles it again pretty realistically. That like, okay, yeah, there can be airbenders now, but they're not air nomads. They're not born into a society yes. raised with, with a certain culture and with a certain uh, upbringing and uh, understanding of values. That's just not. Yeah, that was specific to that time period. Right. Like, you know, now the world is, for the lack of a better term, globalized. You know, you're exposed to different cultures, different ideas, different ways of living. So not everyone is going to do it the way that you did. Right. That's just, that's not happening. So anyways, I I loved how they're traveling across the world, finding different airbenders. And then you got that one nerdy airbender who lives in his mom's basement, right? I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, Yeah, they they portrayed him as like a mess, like a 
complete mess. Yeah, yeah. And Kai being okay, Kai being already a pickpocket, him getting air venting powers, I feel like that plays right into his lifestyle, right? Very mm-hmm. very loose. Um, you know, as soon as you hit resistance, you just pivot and move around and get around. Do you know what I mean? Like escape, you have the like ideal escape element. Yeah, yeah, because his whole him being a pickpocket and like basically, I don't know if thug thug is probably not the right word here. Uh, uh no, I would say like a like a rogue almost, like a Robin Hood, but like for himself almost. Yeah, no? I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like that, him being an airbender, I feel like has buffed him a ton. He's built. He's made to be an airbender. His lifestyle, that is right. Um, the Earth Queen, extremely despicable. It's kind of cool to see the Daily Agents are still around. I loved that aspect of it. Also, Bossing Say has basically descended into nothingness. Yeah, you can see it's deteriorating at a alarming pace. Yes, uh, you know you got the uh, lower ring, upper ring, and whatnot. You're tearing like the tear of human almost. Yeah, yeah, the, it's uh, societal tears, and also seeing Mako and Bolin's family, I thought that was really, really cool. Bolin is uh, such a goof when it comes to that. He's like, "No, you're all just family." And he's yeah. like, "Dude, you just met him." But I guess different time. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I would meet family, long lost family. I think you do kind of get that sense of connection. Connection, yeah. I just think it can't be helped. I can uh, see that. But I also think that that was kind of cool. And it made me, honestly, watching this scene has always made me really appreciate how, like, that, that I live in the time period that I do, simply because uh, Mako's left to go to Republic City. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. he left, he left Bossing City to go to Republic City. Mm-hmm. He met a woman there, died there, had kids, and his family. Because like that, you know, lack of communication is just not that, like, like not in our modern times. His his own mother, his own brother, did not know that they had died. Right. So um, I, yeah, you're okay. Now I see what you're saying. You kind of, I was wondering, I was like, what are you talking about? But then I guess you're talking about the communication lines between yes, people. Yes, because okay, so I can say this as myself. I'm an immigrant myself. The the thought process that I could not talk to my family overseas, especially when we had moved here sounds terrifying it's, oh, you yeah. feel so isolated and i can't imagine what it makes me appreciate immigrants who just moved countries or even cities in general back then it makes me appreciate them so much more because you're it's not like today where you can just like look up you can research a city right today if i wanted to say let's just say i live in los angeles and i say you know what i want to move to new york city I can look up the cost of living. I can look up jobs there. I can find my apartment, at least get a decent idea of what my apartment, my potential apartment would look like. Living quality. Uh, yes. I can find nearby restaurants. I can plan out everything before I even set foot. Back then, if you wanted to move to a city, you just heard, okay, New York City is like this. Yeah, right, like, right, right. Yeah, you don't know if New York City is truly like that ever. And you don't know if New York City is like that now because the information that you're getting is from a guy who may have been there before or you're getting it from a guy who knows a guy. And then even then, half of that's not even reliable. Exactly. So you're playing a game of telephone 
and you're adding a time element to it. And you're losing. <laughs> uh, and, and now now imagine how long it takes to travel, too. So you're adding extra time. So, and like you said, you're losing. <laughs> you're playing this very complex game of telephone where the entire table is stacked against you. Uh, yeah, and even worse, I mean, sure, they can tell you, I mean, because say you say they say you listen or heard from that person a long time ago. Well, the whole place could have changed. It could have been a whole mis- a redirection. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, everything could have been turned upside down. You don't know. A war could have started in that time, which I mean, theoretically, that could happen now too. But it's just right. It's more unlikely, and you would kind of know about it, right? Like news travels very, very fast today. Right. So, like, th- like again. In this, like in this example, Mako and Bolin's parents died, and Mako and Bolin's grandparents and their uncles, aunts, cousin, all of them did not even know until Mako and Bolin, who are now in probably what their twenties, mm-hmm. they themselves have made it out to Vasengse to tell them directly. <clears throat> Which is just, that has I, to be a mind like that has to mess with someone's mind. I think. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. I mean. You don't, you've never seen these people in your entire life, and you're just meeting them again, and you're traveling the nation. So, they're just their whole worldview is just can constantly change. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think being an immigrant at that time sounds so much more terrifying because of that, because you're going to so many unknowns, and imagine trying to come back. Right. Like today, if I was to extend this example. In today's day, if I went from Los Angeles to New York City, and then I realized, you know what, I don't like it, I can talk to my family and friends back at home very easily, communicate with them. It's like, you know, I think I'm, this is not for me. I'm planning on coming back or even find another city and again entirely altogether. That's not easy back then. And actually, this is actually something that I've wanted to research. Um, people, Humans today still kind of stick to where they grew up. You're born, you're raised, and most people will die the place that they're born or raised i should say yeah most people i mean but that percentage of people has gone down drastically in the last several centuries like think of like medieval time period right for sure where you were born i'd say 99 percent of them would die there oh yeah there was there was no movement there was no movement yeah Well, I mean, there was, but gosh, you'd have to rent a carriage, rent a... There'd be bandits, there'd be... Yes. Like, there was no real civilized... There's nothing really civilized about it, I guess you could say. It was just... Yeah, there was a lot you of... risked it to get the biscuit. <laughs> a lot of chaos, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, so I, I just... That whole aspect of it, it really got to me a lot, especially with my own background, I think, that made me connect with... Uh, Mako's parents, who I don't really even know what they look like. Um, <laughs> exactly. I'll also say that uh, seeing Lin and Suyin's backstory was kind of cool, but I didn't like, and even though it's realistic, I didn't like how they held a grudge for that long. But again, they're both earthbenders. Their mom is tough. Their, you know, stubbornness is it literally in their blood. Right. So. It does not surprise me that Toph Beifang's oldest daughter, who is the chief of police, held on to uh, a grudge that long, even, oh, yes. if it would be, even if it is against her own sister. Like, 
am I saying what Suyin did, what did was right? No, it wasn't right. But again, she was a teenager, and teenagers act out, and as and, at the lack of a better phrase, crap happens. And so we just, I, I'm not saying don't be mad at her. I'm not saying don't, um, you know, reprimand her and whatnot. But like, come on, this is your sister. It doesn't make sense to not talk to her for, I mean, what seems to be like decades, if I'm uh, estimating. That I think it was 20 years, maybe. Yeah, dude, that's a long time to not talk to your sibling. Yeah, I agree. So, again, very realistic, good writing. I just didn't like it in the sense that, like, in the way that I don't like villains, uh, like, their personality, but I do like villains is, like, how well they're written. So, again, great writing. Just, it did annoy me a bit. It did annoy <laughs> you a bit, yes. That is the yeah. overall, the arching theme. It did annoy me a bit. <laughs> I um, okay, I will, and I brought this up on almost every single episode. Has Naga still done anything? No, but shut up, <laughs> shut up, just shut up. All right, my... I'm being serious. I Has care. she forget even done anything? We don't even see her with the gang. Like, is she even in? Um, what's that city called? Bossing oh, uh, City. No, the Metal City. Oh shoot, dude, I, yeah. There you go. That was perfect. Yeah. Uh, Naga is not even in Zalfu. So. Well, you know what? Just lay off, all right? I can't, dude. Like, these animals are supposed to be their spirit guides. And, you know, we'd had this whole season about how spirituality is so important. She even opens up the spirit gates. So now spirit and humans live together. And you got the very spirit guide of the Avatar. And it holds. Look, I care more about Roku. Uh, Roku's dragon, I think Fang. I care more about him than I care about Naga. And okay, got... but the dragon's cool. Uh, true, dragon is cool, and I have a very soft spot for dragons. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not buying it. Yeah, whatever. Dude. That's not just, no. I mean, come on, don't talk, don't whatever me. He got he seemed more significant to Roku than Naga has ever seemed to Korra. He straight up died alongside Roku in that volcano. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, he died with Roku. He comes back as a spirit. He takes Aang to see Roku's statue and whatnot. And so, I mean, I don't know. that. Now, that is a spirit guide. Appa is a spirit guide. Naga, that's just some dog that you owned growing up. Fine, dude. I love my dog growing up. Whatever. That, that's, that's be that as it may, but that's not your spirit guide. But maybe it was. <laughs> okay, you know what? I it's the same token, right? Because you haven't talked about your dog that much. On so the same token, Naga doesn't get any screen time either. What are you talking about? I talk about my dogs all the time. I talk to my dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. about your dogs to me though. To my dogs, I talk about my dogs to my dogs. Okay, but that doesn't do me any good. I'm talking. God, this conversation. I don't even know where this is going. I know. I'm just. I'm just being goofy. But I get what you're saying. Naga hasn't done anything, but it's still like one of the coolest animals that has ever been trayed in fantasy. Not probably not the coolest, but no. A bear dog. I want a bear dog. Dude, you're telling me this is one of the coolest animals in fantasy? Yeah, it's most believable. I'm not saying that it believe, was... Yeah, but that doesn't make it one of the coolest. But I can imagine myself having it, and that's why. I can't imagine myself flying a dragon, Maz. It's not just how it goes. 
Okay, but again, that doesn't make it one of the coolest. Believable does not make it cool. Mm. It's a bear it's, it's, dog. it's in the definition of cool. Cool does not mean believable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? If I I wrote the bylaws. I, I believe cool. you're cool. You're cool. Uh, hmm. Now, nah, hmm. This is where it gets interesting. Uh, we can, but anyways, we moving on. <laughs> Uh, what did you think of Zalfu's uh, truth detector metal bender dude turning out to be a uh, spy? Uh, yeah, spy for per se. Here, um, I actually didn't see that coming at first, but it was funny how they put it together. They're like, "Oh, the only person that can lie, yeah, is the person that's lying." Yeah, <laughs> it's like good it Lord. felt a little weird to me. I, I don't know, like. The fact that they went as far as, you know, oh, we'll question Lin or Suyin, right? They're cool, mm-hmm. cool with questioning Suyin, but they're not cool with questioning, like, even considering questioning the truth detector guy. Like, yeah, that that's just, just, that did bother me a little bit. But then again, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but the fight in Zaofu with the... I, what what would you even call them? We don't even have a name for them yet. Um, but Zaheer and his gang, right? Yes. That fight was so cool. The lady I, with the arms? The uh, Mingwa, I think her name is. Yeah, she has... Um, Water-bending arms? Water-bent arms. But, you know, I don't even know how to feel about that. Water-bending arms. Yeah. So, like, so like she she got decapitated. Not decapitated. She got... um. Her arms ripped off or cut off or whatever, but she can keep that up when there's not water around. Like, isn't there a limit? Or I was just confused on how she could just do that all the time. Yeah, she probably has like just a purse full of water. And I, I guess you're that makes <laughs> kind of like sense. how Katara would walk around with that little water bottle. That's all. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess it just it just bothered me because it's like. God, how long do you have to concentrate? Like, just thinking about it. I guess it's second nature at this point. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, it was just goofy because I thought she had tentacles at first. Yeah, she, her design is so cool. I mean, the combustion lady's design would be cooler too if I hadn't already seen it. I think that is a really cool. That eye is really cool design. Yeah. Um, a little goofy though. So is that like fire? That's firebending, right? That is firebending. Yeah. It's just compressed into a point yeah it seems like it and i loved seeing her actually fire bent to like block the fire and bend it away and whatnot i do, I do yeah. really love that i'm glad they did that instead of just giving her just for my brain just letting her just use her question instead of just using the fire she used both instead of them just showing her using combustion because then i'd be like well she's a firebender airbender like you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Like you, she could have been both ways. Bolin is such a sniper. What do you mean? When he, when they were fighting in the gang, and remember Su Yin and Lin are rappelling down like SWAT team, mm-hmm. and Bolin has to headshot her from a decent distance away. Oh, uh, essentially the, a pebble. When they're behind the, uh, when they're behind that metal barricade. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah, that was cool. That was very cool. I loved it a lot. But didn't uh, he do that previously in that season? Some at some point, he like did it to mess with somebody. 
Um, who did he do that with? He, yeah, yeah, he did it when he was um, sparring, metal sparring, and against uh, Su Yin Sun when he was trying to yeah, learn. Yeah, yeah, and he he was messing with him so hard. He's dink. That yeah. was cool. Yep. Um. Yeah. No, I I just. Man, there's not a whole lot to talk about the first half of the season, uh, other than just I don't know. I guess we did talk about how we both loved it so much. Uh, he just, I mean, him also. Let's talk about um, his airbending, right? I I do want to know what he was capable of pre bending Zaheer because he just got his bending, right? And so that means he was us. probably like some Ty Lee level acrobat. And now you throw in some airbending on top of that, and it's just like, holy crap, this dude. Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the same instance. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it, and his airbending is so cool to see, especially, again, going it's back to It's more aggressive. You, than yeah, because it – I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. You can tell the stylistically it's just way different from Tenzin's. And he mm-hmm. – um, even like the way he escaped, right, he pulled all the air in got the keys and then just the way he moves it's very low movement right like he's very low on the ground oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay now yeah, he goes he attacks feet a lot and he if you see the way that he makes his body always when he's in the air uh he always makes his hitbox very small in the air he's always twisting makes himself and thin and very, yeah it's very thin in the air and then when he gets low on the ground it's if you think about most fighters uh, in in the bending universe, uh, water bending, fire bending, almost all of them, even air bending, to uh, is at body le- at body level, head level. Earth bending is the only one that I could see that kind of has the advantage. Like if you go super low, but even then they need to kind of like, they're, if they're firing rocks at you, then even that is like, uh, body height level, right? Right, stomach right. level. Uh, where it's like a very low position on like low gravity almost. Yeah, like so it, it makes sense why he would get so low because if he was uh if he was fighting benders before he became a bender, that was probably his fighting style, right? He would get very low to avoid the bending attacks. Right. So that was really cool to see, and uh, maybe I'm just talking about a butt here, and I don't really, and you know, that's not I like at his, all. I did like his aggressive style. Yeah, it, it was really cool to see in an airbender. Um, Absolutely. One thing I did want to talk about, and I only saw this through, I think, TikTok or Instagram. You know how Boomy became an airbender, right? Yeah. Uh, I loved the way that Boomy discovered he's an airbender the same way that the previous Boomy in Last Airbender discovered that Aang was Aang. Right? Well, he not discovered. Uh, he knew it was Aang. Remember he threw the chicken piece at him? Yeah. And Aang caught it in the air ball. And then same way, Milo throws Ooh. a plate at Boomy and... Boomy. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's it's so cool to see, and like you know, Boomy is named after Ang's friend Boomy, so it was really cool to see. Right, um, which is, I don't know, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the um, the name, the, the way he named his kids. Like that uh, was so. I cool. understood. Uh, I understood uh, Boomy and Kaya because Kaya was named after uh, Katara's mother. I did not understand Tenzin's naming. Tenzin is a very stereotypical uh, Tibetan name. Yeah. So it just felt kind of weak. Thrown in there. Yeah. Uh, that It didn't feel personal to Aang at all. It, I'll be honest. I I was kind of hoping that his name would be Gyatso. 
Why is that? Because of Monkey. Yeah, because of Monkey Gatso. Like, I think naming him Gatso would have been really cool. A lot um, better. Yeah, it, I feel like it would have just made more sense. Um, because it, Bumi and Kaya seemed so personal to the parents. Gyatso, especially uh, uh, Tenzin being the only airbender amongst his children, it just felt like naming him after that just feel, felt more relevant. I, I mean, I could see, I, I, yeah, I like the name Tenzin, though. It's, I mean, I, I think it sounds nice, but. Yeah, yeah, no, the I name is cool. I'm just like saying really to continue understand. that uh, pattern of naming them after a uh, specific character in his life at that point. Right, right. So got his spirit guide. <laughs> and he got me on it. So you fall. Uh, that's good. All right. Well, I don't really have much left to talk about unless you got something. Um, mm. Off the top of my head, I really don't. But I would like to say that you're kind of right about the second season being the weakest. Because if it's better than this season, I think I think it was the, the at least the four seasons were a great success. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree. I think second season is just. I think second season gets really held back in like the final like two episodes. I again, I think. Um, Unavatu, like just firing laser beams, it just feels like such lazy writing coming from right. the same people who wrote freaking Avatar Last Airbender and even like, you know, Rest of Legend of Korra. Like, you're coming from Amon, which they didn't even beat Amon in the traditional sense, right? They just exposed him. And I understand yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that with Unavatu, I understand that, but like, come on. It just seemed like it wasn't. Well thought out. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. I think that, again, it just goes back to the same thing. When you when they get into the deeper, when they get deeper and deeper into the spiritual stuff and um, the Avatar verse, I feel like that's where they really start losing people. Um, Last Airbender was very subtle in the way, not maybe not subtle, but it was very minimal in the way it was they interacted. Almost focused. With this. Yeah, it felt more coherent until again until the very end when they didn't want to kill off ozai it, it was like a moment where i felt like they wanted to have their cake and eat it too mm-hmm. they um yeah i felt it was kind of it, it definitely annoyed me when they seemingly um it, it definitely annoyed me in the way that they kind of wanted to beat ozai but they didn't want to kill him and then he's like, okay, well, how do we do that? Oh, we'll just take away his firebending. I, I didn't... There didn't seem to be anything pre-established with that. It felt very forced in. And mm-hmm. to keep up the whole pacifist, oh, I'm Aang, I don't kill anybody. Even though, let's be real here, he killed... I'm sure he killed a lot of people indirectly through his actions. You know, I mean, taking I, guess, nation, right? I like, guess that's probably true, yeah. I didn't think about it like that, but that's got to be at some point at least halfway true. It's the same thing as, like, you know, when people talk about, like, Batman. It's like, oh, he doesn't kill anybody. It's like, yeah, but he just leaves these criminals beaten unconscious with, I'm sure, several concussions in the snow with, like, no way to get down from a building or something like that. It's like, yeah, oh, he he doesn't kill them, but he basically beats them, like, five inches away from death and lets them die out. Like, come on. Yeah, you know, that... 
I don't know. Pacifism for me really annoys me, especially in TV shows and movies, because it feels like it doesn't really hold up. But see that? I that's mean, it's just me. I mean, again, if you're going to write a show, pacifism is probably not the way to go because pacifism is pretty. It's boring. Dopamine boring. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you're just kind of hindering yourself from having the show be possibly better than it was before. Yep. All right, uh, that'll about cover it from us for that episode. We will finish off the remaining episodes of Season 3. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next time.